Check, check. Hold on. We got to do this first. <laughs> I d- why would I ever pee on your office building? I don't. I feel like you guys are lying. <laughs> are you recording this? Yeah. <laughs> and no. Uh, no. What's it called? No crisping. No uh, crisping. <laughs> <laughs> I can never remember the name of it. Frying. Frying. Local no frying. frying. Oh, you don't want me to talk <laughs> like this. Oh, like this is how the podcast yes. is going to be tonight. We just did a whole podcast like this, and I'm here South Andrew. I just want to be like I'm from California. Uh. <laughs> Did your head just explode? <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure what Aren't is... Aren't you glad you married me? I can turn it off and then I can turn it right back Look on again. Look at his again. face right now. He's so mad. My number one pet peeve is vocal fry. Vocal crisping. So if <laughs> you crisping. ever send in a voice note to Andrew, make sure send it sounds exactly like this. Like <laughs> you knew you were going to get ganged up on tonight. Did you not? <laughs> Not necessarily. (laughs) 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 Yep. It's almost Halloween. It is. It's almost Halloween. Is everybody like sufficiently spookified? No. Halloween's at a weird time this year. It's on Thursday, which means like celebrating this weekend would have seemed like a little bit too early, though a lot of people did. Dude, I was just saying that. Right? Nobody should be celebrating this weekend because Halloween's on Thursday. So they should be celebrating next weekend. And then someone was arguing with me But then it's after. But then it's after. Nobody ever does it after. What's the problem? But you know what? Thursday's night is not so bad. Thursday night is already like kind of like a party night. I don't know, man. Yeah. It's past the hype then. It has to either be the weekend before or the day of. I think it needs to be when you're as closest to the date. So if it happens on a Thursday, then you have to celebrate it on the weekend after. If it was on like a Tuesday, then sure, do it the weekend before. <laughs> I don't know. You know what? Write in. Tell us all about it. <laughs> tell us about your Halloween this is feelings. Hot takes right now. <laughs> this is a real DM us, or better yet, <laughs> send a voice note with your voice like this. Uh, when shall we be <laughs> celebrating Halloween? <laughs> do you know what your favorite country murder is going to be? <laughs> <laughs> Both of you guys, <laughs> by me, <laughs> right now. <laughs> So what's the name of tonight's podcast? We're calling it uh, My Favorite Country Murder. Oh, I like that a lot. Mm -hmm. Cool. Uh, It's not your favorite country country murder? Oh. It could be. Either (laughs) way. It just gets really long that way. All I got to say is that I'm very happy that, God damn it, finally we get to talk about some weird, creepy ass shit on this podcast. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's true. Me too. And before (laughs) we even get to that, we probably have like... 20 minutes of shooting the (laughs) random shit about things that are entirely irrelevant to what we're getting to. Uh Uh-huh. Shots fired. (laughs) (laughs) What uh, what kind of beer are you drinking there, Sean? This is a uh, wild... What happened in your week? How do you feel? (laughs) It's a wild bog. (laughs) Tell us about therapy. Very sour. Um, But you guys also need to tell me about me. I peed on your office building. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I don't know. I think you had a bit of a night on Friday night and then... As we all did. Uh, as you were heading home, you had to stop by my office building. I was not there. But so how did you sorry, know? I was not there. I was already. How did at I end home. up peeing on your office building? I think you just it's decided you couldn't we, wait. No, it's because <laughs> we need to cut this. We out. were no, no. This is staying. <laughs> it's good. It's real good. It's because we were going with your friend to another bar in the what market. What bar? We're going to the Laugh, the Again, Lafayette. I oh. took myself home earlier in the evening. And, yeah. And she had to get her stuff from the office. We were walking there? Yep. We were walking up Elgin. 
and she had to get her stuff from the office. It was the three of us. So you and I were waiting outside just chatting and shooting the shit. And then you decided that you needed to pee and it couldn't wait. So <laughs> Was I like coherent at this point? You, it, you seemed to be to me, but as I would later hear from Amelia's friend, uh, that you were barely able to walk on the way there, and staggering <laughs> and waving and falling down sideways. <laughs> Why did you take me on these adventures? I didn't notice because <laughs> I was walking. It was a narrow sidewalk. I was walking slightly ahead. <laughs> so I, I had no idea until she came out with her purse and her stuff. And then we're like, all right, let's roll. And we started going up towards the market. And I'm like, where's Sean? And we both turned around and you weren't there. You were still leaning up against this pillar. I was like, I'm done. Well, we couldn't even see you because you were on the backside (laughs) of the pillar from where we were. So we were just shouting for you. And when you didn't respond and you didn't come, I walked back and I was like, are you coming? And you're like, no. I was like, yeah, Yeah, I'm coming right now. I'm going home. (laughs) I was like, all right. You just marked your territory on this building <laughs> and called <laughs> called yourself an Uber and heading straight home. That's good because he's going to need a criminal defense attorney one day, so he'll know where one to go. One day. Yeah, he'll, he'll remember. He'll Why follow do you his always think that I'm going to need? Like, I'm a very innocent drunk. <laughs> I just do things like lean on pillars. And legally pee on buildings. <laughs> <laughs> Is it illegal to pee on a building? I don't know. Yes. Okay. But in whose eyes? A, you exposed yourself, and to B, who? you were being mischievous. To who? Who know. saw my dick? Nobody saw my dick. Andrew, did you see his dick? No. <laughs> okay. But to be fair, wouldn't <laughs> see be it fair. at the best of times. <laughs> hi oh. <laughs> but to be fair, he was facing me. <laughs> <laughs> Behind a pillar. Oh, boy. This well, now the evidence is out. You never so. thought the two of us would jump on you tonight, would you? <laughs> Gang up on you. Jump on what? <laughs> yeah, apparently nothing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so it's Halloween. It's almost Halloween. So we're going to talk spooky stuff. Are you going to be anything for Halloween, Sean? <sighs> uh, apparently, I'm just going to be a drunk guy pissing behind a pillar. <laughs> <laughs> Are you dressing Bane up as anything? No, I might. The only thing like I've ever thought about for Halloween is that I'd dress up like Mad Max. And then Bane could be Dog, you know, from the movie Mad Max. I do. I think that's a good idea. I don't remember. Um, well, it's just there's there's a blue healer in that movie. Oh. And th- his name is literally just Dog. Oh. But uh, it's too much effort. Halloween is too much effort for me. Well, why don't you just get a girl to shave her head and then walk around with you, and then you would automatically know who the both of you are together. Who's going to shave their head and walk around with me? I don't know. Who loves you that much? Not, probably no one. Mm. Oh, that came off kind of bad. Sorry. Oh. Hitting all the soft spots tonight. <laughs> I'm, uh, you know what? Between now and then, I will find somebody to shave their head for me. All right. Four days. Right? Is it in four days? Thursday. Jesus. Is it or is it Wednesday? I thought it was like July. <laughs> no, it is Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> oh, What are you guys going to do for Halloween? What are you going to be for Halloween? Nothing. Yeah. Unfortunately yeah, you asked me if, you wanted to, if I wanted to hang out on Halloween because you seem like a Halloween grump, the same as me. I've participated uh, heartily in Halloween in the last. Heartily. Yeah, yeah, we, we've had oh, some great costumes. Halloween's coming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Take a letter. <laughs> um, no, not this year. I don't know. Just too much going on. A little too busy. Not super interested in a party. Usually, it's a lot. like the defense council uh, organizes a Halloween party, and this year they did not. So I have nothing to dress up for. What would that like entail? 
Like you're dressing up. What's happening with the defense council and you? Well, they always up? organize a Halloween party. Usually, it's at Hooli's, R.I.P. Um, but this year, I think they did. Hooli's die. Hooli's died. No, no one, in, no one outside of Ottawa is going to know what this conversation <laughs> is about. Okay. But yeah, Hooli's uh, has changed owners. Hmm. Let's keep it less regional. <laughs> <laughs> Steamed hams. <laughs> First Simpsons reference logged. <laughs> so maybe something will happen between now and Thursday. I have a bunch of I have a I have a costume closet. I'm ready to go at any time. Okay, well, what's Halloween's your front what's your front holiday. runner for costumes? Mm, costumes. You know even. what? What was it you were gonna do with the girls? We were gonna be the women uh, from Glow. Oh right, which yeah, would have been an one. amazing costume, which I can still do. Mm-hmm. So maybe I'll just be a singular woman. Which one were you Glow. gonna be? I haven't decided yet. Country, country, Halloween. <laughs> well, uh, that the one, the blonde one, like the Miss America, that's a pretty uh, country, down home type of costume. What was her name? It might be Miss America. No, uh, it's I haven't seen the show. Liberty Bell. Liberty Bell. That's right. That's what it is. <laughs> I think I'm just gonna pee on a pillar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, are we gonna talk about murders or what? We should talk about murders. Who's going to go first? We all have stories that we haven't told each other. What are st- well, I'm sure you guys have because you're married. No, I didn't tell him. We should queue up some uh, some beers before we do this. Yeah. Okay, well, why don't you grab those beers um, and we'll get ready to go. Okay. I'm excited. This looks good. Did you bring this? The peanut butters? No. Oh, you got this today? Oh, you just crushed that wine. I did crush that wine. Am I frying yet? Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. 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 <laughs> Had a good conversation with your uh, radio station friend about frying the other day in the taxi. Oh, I don't know if you remember that. I do remember that. Oh, I nice. brought it up, did. did I not? <laughs> uh, you might have brought that up. I, I can't remember how I it just came put. Up. I was like, here's some things. Here's some nuggets of discussion to have. You so I could that it would quietly. It's Andrew vocal fry. Yeah, and I don't <laughs> want to talk anymore. Oh, but it, it also moved. It, it was just it moved into a vo- like a vocal affectations conversation. And oh, and he's a nerd like you on that type of stuff. Oh man, we geeked out for a while. Yeah, and all of that like lispy baby talk type yeah. of thing. That's I knew he'd pop be music like a good nerd for you to discuss with. Yeah, I, I need. We need to go at it a little bit more. <laughs> go at it. That's right. All right. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> so, uh, guys, I haven't showered in like three days. <laughs> yeah, we, we weren't going to say anything about that, but... <laughs> but is it bad? Is it bad? I put some natural deodorant on earlier. Also, There's for your problem. Uh, the listeners that's at your, home... That's your problem right there. Sean is wearing the most topical shirt tonight for our Country Country oh, Music yeah. Halloween episode. It is a black t-shirt, and you know those t-shirts that have like the names of the Beatles on it, except this one says Dahmer, Bundy, Gacy, Gain, Amigo. Amigo the Devil. And the Devil. It's an Amigo the Devil shirt. <laughs> He's an artist. He's fantastic. You think that those shirts like started as a Beatles thing? What did they start as? Is that what that was? It's, I have no idea. I'm pretty idea. sure. They, I mean, that was the first time I saw them. Maybe they didn't. I mean, they're like all around for yeah. all different manners of things. Didn't but I we think order they ones? started as... Yeah, we ordered the, the female country singers one. Are they coming in or we get ripped off? I, I Did I get not. one? No. <laughs> oh. Well, you're not part of the podcast. I am well, now. She is now. Well, this was ordered weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> Next year, when you sit on, on another episode, <laughs> we'll have a shirt for you. We're getting a divorce. I mean, uh, give, give him some fry. Give him some fry. 
We're getting a divorce. Oh, get crispy. <laughs> you with got it. it. Get get real crispy with it. Ooh, boy. Ooh, drinking some lovely McKinnon Brothers Crosscut Canadian Ale. McKinnon Courtesy Brothers from Kingston, Ontario. Wait, are no, we getting sponsored by these motherfuckers? Because we're not. Yeah. Then. No, well, I don't know. We'll call it that. They gave me a six pack today when I had a meeting in Kingston. So uh, we'll, we'll call this a sponsorship. Like, I'm sure they'll be <laughs> okay you, with McKinnon that. Brothers. We can give them a little shout out. McKinnon Brothers. <laughs> Fine <laughs> Brewing in Bath, Ontario. <laughs> you know what? Since I'm, I have one beside me as well, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it as a sponsorship. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's, there's three more. Bound by so. brotherhood, brewed by tradition. Ooh. Yeah, there you go. McKinnon Ooh. Brothers. Bound by brotherhood. Wait, what was it? <laughs> <laughs> Worst McKinnon advertisement Brothers, ever. Bound by brotherhood, brewed by tradition. In Bath, Ontario, <laughs> since 2015. Oh, yeah. The money's I'm rolling guessing. in. The money is fucking rolling in now. Yep. You guys know where Bath, Ontario is? You people down in uh, Nashville and Austin, Texas? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't even know where it is. <laughs> it's uh, between Kingston and Belleville. That narrows it down for everybody. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they're a great little brewery. This is really good. A couple of young guys, about our this age. This is really good. It's their family uh, had, Yeah, they're, I was there a couple weeks ago, and their family has this old... I don't know, a couple hundred year old farm and they bought the property across the street. I don't remember how many years ago they were saying um, they were turning, they turned the bar, pardon me, they turned the barn into a brewery and now they're turning another one of the barns into like an event space and a wedding venue and everything. Huh. Yeah. But you, you get their beer all around Eastern Ontario. I've never seen it before. You've never had McKinnon Brothers? Ever? No. I, I find that hard to believe. The LCBO? No. Uh, I think some of them are, but you see them at bars and restaurants everywhere. Hmm. Maybe I have. I don't know. How many more regional jokes can we throw <laughs> in today? <laughs> Just alienated like three quarters of your podcast. But the steamed ham jokes, I think that's probably... Steamed ham, yeah. Let's, let's reel it back to Simpsons references. <laughs> the universal really joke. Localized entirely. <laughs> Aurora Borealis. <laughs> can I see it? <laughs> no. <laughs> Well, oh. so what we're gonna we're gonna talk murder here, eh? Yeah, we are. I'm very happy to be on this podcast. When Andrew told me that Sean and him were gonna start a country music podcast and primarily record it in our home, and that I would be banished to the back room, you've been uh, to quite be silent. Um, the you've one thing about I, that. I've been good about that because <laughs> of this episode. I requested <laughs> that there be a Halloween spooky murder mystery country music podcast and here we are so i'm pretty happy we're doing this i yeah, got I'm you indulged me it. seems like you guys are having a good time do we sean get got to, a t-shirt do we get to call all our listeners honky tonkarinos oh my gosh yes hello honky tonkarinos <laughs> there we go thank you for joining us today <laughs> <laughs> so who's uh like who's gonna get started here we all got stories right you yeah. all got stories? I got yeah, stories. We, we, we all got stories. Uh, let's make the uh, the guest, the newcomer, go first. Ooh, ladies first. Ooh, cool. Well, this is my first time ever on a podcast, so don't hate me. And if you do, you're probably never going to hear from me again. So just fry it up, you know? I'll just fry it up.
country country music um okay so i had a lot of fun googling around and being like what creepy things have happened in country music and like who murdered who and you know what there wasn't a lot that i could find there's a Bunch? There is a little bit, but some of it wasn't interesting enough, yeah. and I was like, "Uh, that's boring." And then I came across um, the story of Spade Cooley and the murder of his wife, Ella May. That's a good one. Yeah, I mean, it's a good one. Good in quotation marks. Is there anything? Is there such thing as a good murder? Well, can we TBD? Yeah, but well, it is. I, it I is a like good one for a. You listen to murder podcasts no, all the no, time. No, no, I know. It's a, it's a good murder podcast. Well, right and, and that's the thing with murder <laughs> podcasts, right? Is like we say things like, it's a good one. Or it's or my favorite like it was, one. Yeah. And it it's, <laughs> it's not actually like, we don't think it's a good thing that someone died. But it's exactly. just like in the realm of someone dying. Everyone wants to hear this shit. There's an yes. inherent nomenclature problem. <laughs> yes, there is. That's so, a very good way of putting it. So without further ado, this is my favorite country country music murder. So Spade Cooley, if you don't know who he was, was born Donald Clyde Cooley on December 17th, 1910 in Grand, Oklahoma. Uh, He was sent away to school in Salem, Oregon, where he met his first wife and he eloped with her, I believe, from my research. In 1930, he moved his wife um, to California to escape the Dust Bowl. Gotta escape that Dust Bowl. He says that he showed up in California with nothing but a fiddle and six cents in his pocket. And he rolled up to Republic Pictures in Studio City, where cowboy movie star Roy Rogers gave him a job in Roy's Sons of the Pioneers Western Swinging Group. In 1942, he joined Jimmy Wakeley's Western Swing Band and became known for fancy fiddling and fancy footwork. (laughs) You, like, those are the two things you're going to be known for, right? Exactly. Like, if you're going to be doing anything fancy, it should be fiddling, fiddling and, footwork. and footwork. I like how the things that you probably put in quotes on <laughs> no, they what were you wrote down. Quotes. Yeah, yeah. But you, you probably had them written as quotes. Instead of doing air quotes with your fingers, you did them with your eyebrows. <laughs> 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 Just accentuating it for the... For the audio. Oh, that's good. So in in 1944, he got offered a Hollywood movie contract and he took over the band and that's where his success really took off. So you may have heard of Mr. Cooley uh, because he has been called the king of Western swing. Which I've always had an issue with. Like, I get how big of a deal he is and was. You you got beef with that? I got beef with that. Like... (laughs) Is Bob Wills not universally? So there is a whole conversation on Bob Wills versus Spade Cooley that I ran into in my research. Um, So that's not really my thing. So I didn't really go there down that route too far. (laughs) I.e. you read it, but you didn't (laughs) internalize (laughs) it. You didn't care and moved on. I did not care. But apparently, I'm going to skip forward a little bit. Apparently, he was in some kind of like battle of the bands with Bob Wills and (laughs) the Texas (laughs) Playboys. And this was at the Aragon. Uh, ballroom back when they were both like prepubescent. It was a battle like, of the bands. I don't remember. I don't, can't tell what year it was in. No one seems to know that. He's like 17 and still has a giant <laughs> cigar out of the side of his mouth. <laughs> oh! And he's just like. <laughs> <laughs> But anyways, apparently they like finally duked it out because Bob Wills was like, what? You're not the king of Western Swing. I am. And uh, apparently Speed Cooley won. And that's how he really earned the name of king of Western Swing. And please, country music lovers, don't hate me if I'm wrong about this. Yeah, listen, you got to fucking drop your dick out. Like just when shit like that's happening, you've got to like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Just like drop your dick out and pee on that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
Um, so he had this hit song called Shame on You, which I'm sure many of your listeners know and that many that uh, you both do. Mm-hmm. I do not. Um, and this was released in December 1944 and it was the first of six consecutive top 10 hits. So in addition to being a successful country music or Western country music singer songwriter, I guess he wasn't a singer. He was more of a fiddle player, band leader. He appeared in over 38 Western films. Oh, did yeah, you know that's that? Right. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he had a real, uh, is it like a Roy Rogers kind of thing going on where he was like yeah, a he singing like stood cowboy? In, yeah, sort sometimes he stood in for Going to paint your wagon, <laughs> going to paint the good. Yeah, that's right. Oh, we're on fire on the Simpsons references. Oh, that's a good one. I forgot <laughs> so about good. that one. Oh, what was the context of that? I have no fucking Which idea. episode? Gonna paint your wagon. <laughs> Gonna paint it good. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, well played. While he was a part of this movie studio, he had three movies made about him. So the first was Spade Cooley, King of Western Swing in 1945. And the second one was called Melody Stampeded in November 1945. So two shows in one year. Melody Stampeded? You know what? That might be a typo. Maybe Melody Stampede. Okay, yeah. No, One or the other. Well, you could get stampeded. You could get stampeded, I guess. Oh, I Is that like I Paradise got Lost? I got stampeded like Melody the other stampeded. <laughs> I peed behind a pillar and then I got stampeded. <laughs> and the last was Spade Cooley and his orchestra, and that was in 1949. Huh. So after he's become really well-known in the Western swing world, he hosted a variety show called the, where is this? Uh, the Hoffman Hayride. And he won local Emmys in 1952 and 1953. Uh, the show was canceled in 1955, but uh, Cooley by that point had gained a massive fortune of over $15 million by that time Come the on. show finished. How and that's many in $15 million. And that's Get in 1955 dollars. So $15 million? $15 million. But That's like he was other th- at that time, other than Nashville, and that wasn't even the peak like height of Nashville. What year up. was this? Uh, this would have been 1955 ish. Like yeah. a metric ass ton of money. So that yeah, yeah metric. I think ass I think I saw <laughs> I think I saw like a thing where it's imperial like <laughs> half ton shit. <laughs> That's around like $120 million in today's you dollars. You did the conversion? No, I saw it on one of my research pages. Well, still, you know it. That's yeah. impressive. Thank you. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. Amelia Wilding. She knows shit. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. That's wild. Yeah. Well, o- outside of, of what was happening in Nashville, and this is just as or prior to uh, the Nashville sound becoming a big thing or even really becoming a thing huh. in like 1955. Yeah. The West Coast scene was huge. Like this $15 million. Dude, okay, this is what was on, he he was on TV. Okay, here's how he got to $15 million. He was like the thing on TV, like his his orchestra. This is like uh, Cousin Herb's uh, trading post and all that stuff. But I thought back then they just like were just ripping people off. Like okay, right. well, here's a little bit of trivia that you might know. Like I thought known. artists made nothing back then. So at before he made this $15 million, before he hosted uh, this show, The Hoffman Hayride, he had a residency at the Aragon Ballroom for 18 months, and he regularly was drawing crowds of around 8,000 people a night. And apparently... His band got so busy that if someone tried to hire them for a date that they had already booked elsewhere, they would still take the second gig and they would send a band that looked and sound just like them there. That and is fucking savage. And they did that. <laughs> and they, at some point I was reading, they had like, like four bands they sent out. They what? Up to four bands. Like that they an imposter band. Yes. 
He's like, yeah, yeah, I have a mustache. Just uh, uh which, send a guy with a mustache. Which Spade Coolie are we getting tonight? <laughs> this oh, my just, God. I wonder how that works into the murders. Because he could be like, no, 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 no. That was one of the four other guys I sent out that night. It wasn't us. We were at the Aragon Ballroom like, the whole time. Yeah, just, oh, just put that, shir- put that shirt on. It's fine. You're good. Yeah. No, you're good. He's like, dude, that guy's like 300 pounds. No, nah, it's fine. Just send him out there. Can he even sing? No, 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 no. no. It's fine. It's a wedding. They're going to be hammered. doesn't matter. I would love to see like the tryouts for this like second or third band. Like, Do you oh, think they had tryouts? Like, well, they had to like look similar enough. I feel like right? they were that lazy back then. They were probably just it's like, true. just go. go. You know what? Maybe not enough people had like televisions back then. Who or knew? eyeballs. They might, they might not have known what Spade Cooley looked like. So as long as he sounded the same as what they were listening to on the radio, that's maybe that really was good enough. That's a really valid point. Yeah, that's true. Because this is the beginning of TV era. Yep. Yeah, not, so like not we, everybody we had, had like video to compare yep. it. Yep, it's true. <laughs> Oh, that's fucking funny. So, yeah, that's crazy. Um, anyways, in 1960, he earned a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, and he retired to this huge ranch property in the Mojave Desert where he wanted to build, like, a water skiing park. <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember hearing yeah. about this. What? Um, and he gonna... tried to get, like, a whole bunch of people yeah. to invest, like, Johnny Cash or yes. whoever else. And, exactly. Yeah. Some really, like, big movie stars and everything like that. But oh, I'm yeah, not going to dwell um, on that too much. Uh, the Duke, um, John Wayne, John Wayne. He tried to get John water Wayne skiing invest. park, like a water, like build a, you know, little like lake, li- build yeah. a little lake in the Mojave <laughs> yeah. desert and have people come water ski there. What they're going to build. There was a lake or they're going to build. There a lake. was no lake. Can I like, honestly, I, Walt Disney or like Disneyland had apparently like had an agreement with them. I low key like hate water skiing. Why low key? I don't know. It's a hot take. I've never been bad. I've say. never been good at water skiing. So <laughs> no, I think it's side bullshit. note. Side note: What does low key mean? I keep hearing like everybody I, now say like I low key this and I low key that. Well, you, I, it's, I it's sort of. A, yeah, you're like on the down low. I kind of. Like I'm not gonna offer it up to everybody, but I just did. Education mm-hmm. hour for old so, school. You know Andrew. what? Fuck water skiing. <laughs> um. Anyways, so along with a lot of other stars of that era, um, Spade Cooley had a huge alcohol and pill problem. Surprise. Oh. Um, and he would he was very erratic. Uh, he would fire bandmates often and then hire them back the next day. Huh. Um, but that was in his professional life. So you can kind of imagine uh, his personal life was a little a little rock crazy. So he got married, in, I already said this, but he got married in 1942 to his first wife, who he met in high school. High school sweetheart, really sweet. Um, except that he, like, you know, cheats on her a bunch. Basically Standard dog. practice back then. Stan- it was standard <laughs> practice. Not that it's And okay. he meets this, like, beautiful woman called Ella May, who was 15 years younger than him, and she was also kind of a singer in his band. What? Someone named Ella May? No. Well, yes. <laughs> But 15 years younger. Oh, yeah. I challenge anybody to find someone who, like, named Ella May that's not beautiful. Yeah, she is beautiful. She's blonde. Right? True. So uh, he divorces his first wife and he marries Ella May in 1945, just months after being arrested for rape and then acquitted. This was Spade Rape of who? Uh, I don't have that information, but he had been arrested for the rape of a woman before he married Ella May, and he had been acquitted. I did not know this about Spade Cooley. Oh, you didn't know any of this whole thing? Well, this particular part. Oh, yeah. Like, I knew his lore, but, well, that's problematic. Yeah, so violence towards women is uh, kind of a theme in his life. Uh, He is very unpredictable, and he turned to violence, and he was incredibly violent towards Ella May. 
So once when she caught him with a woman uh, in her house, in their house, shortly, like while she was pregnant with their first child, um, I read from one source. Another source said it was before they had their first child. She tried to pack up and leave, um, but he threatened to kill her. So she didn't leave. And at another time, she actually did make it. She ran away to her sister's place in Texas, but he found her, um, beat her up and beat her sister's husband Jesus. up and then brought her back. How so did he beat all these people up? Wasn't he a tiny dude? I have no idea. So I, I seem to recall him being like a, like a five, six little guy that yeah, just you know, had like a, like Ernest, had a lot Ernest of, Tubb was real tiny. He, he had a lot, of alcohol, a lot of alcohol and he had yeah. a lot of pills and he had right. a lot of anger. So, right. And I don't think, it, like, it was at a point where it was just, like, th- it was still at that point where you're a dude, you can just do whatever the fuck you want with no consequences. Right. Obviously. And he was so famous. Like, he had $15 million. Yeah. You know? Like, apparently, there's, like, some things that I read that you, he kind of had the police in his pocket. He did all of their fundraisers so that, you know, he he never got a speeding ticket ever. Because well, and, and country stars back then were, like, they were the pop stars of that generation yeah. where it was, like, they could do whatever they wanted exactly and clearly he could do whatever he wanted yeah it's that sounds fairly obvious from the way you're telling yeah it. so in Peak 19- patriarchy <laughs> P- yeah yeah maybe yeah maybe we're still there who knows no we're not okay well we'll have this discussion <laughs> another time in uh in, ni- okay, this, in 1961 this paid situation couldn't happen the same way today with twitter and instagram and everything <laughs> i know but like harvey weinstein's not in jail yet so yeah, but at least it's been brought to attention. Like, Me Too took him down and a whole lot of other people. If there was a is, Me Too in Spade Cooley's time... He's not in jail. Yeah, someone's just popping the back of the head. <laughs> no. <laughs> the, we're witnessing all the extremes here. <laughs> okay, anyways. In 1961, Ella May, uh, she was hospitalized basically for a nervous breakdown under extreme strain. Um, and she told her doctor she feared her husband. He thought he, She thought he was going to kill her. Um, and while she was hospitalized, she even um, retained a female attorney to start divorce proceedings. And she also called two of her friends. Um, they were two gay men and they were in a relationship. Uh, their names were Bud Davenport and Luther Jackson. And she starts sending them money uh, to keep for her when she gets out of this relationship. Um, she's basically making an exit plan. So Spade finds out she's been on the phone with other men while she's been in the hospital and basically tricks her and says, I've had the phones tapped. I know who, who you've been talking to and makes her admit that she, and she just says, okay, well, you know now, but he obviously hadn't had the phones tapped. So he thinks that she's been speaking to other so men. So he was bullshitting. He didn't know. He didn't know. He didn't know, but he gets it in his head that she's been talking to other men and is cheating on her or cheating on him. How did she, I'm sorry, at this point in time, have two gay friends? I don't know. I was reading that and I was like, wow. And they like lived together. a lot of little weird kinks in this story yeah, like but it, you know it was like yeah. hollywood so maybe oh, it was like a, you know it was a I little bit more liberal that. at that time yeah, i'm always a like nashville bit. or texas yeah i'm always I, when we talk about these stories i always think it's like it's in the south yeah. or whatever it was in I mean, it was in california i don't know i guess it might have been like a little bit easier like a bit more progressive possibly well, it's yeah. cool that she had two gay friends that's good for her yeah. you know what she just seemed like a really sweet woman yeah i'm really into lma i know lma LMA. You just think she's really hot because of her name. <laughs> no, I just think it's cool like that she had two gay friends. She was like trying to live her life. Anyways. Yeah, she's trying to get out of this horrible relationship. Um, anyway, so Spade kind of finds out about these and he shows up at their house and punches one of them in the face and is like, if you don't leave California, I'm going to kill you. And he went with some of his friends. So that freaked them out. Um, what a fucking loser. He had to take his friends. Yep. He had to bring. He's like, oh, let's bring a friend of friends. Let's go beat up Oof. these guys. 
I think these guys who I know are gay are cheating <laughs> on my wife. Like, like my wife is cheating on your me. own at least, you know. Yeah, but he is just a. I'm piece just of work. I'm just liking Spade Cooley more and more. That's okay. That's allowed. <laughs> 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 um. So basically, Cooley started accusing her of having affairs with like like men and women. He accused her of having an affair with his former boss, Roy Rogers. Um, and hmm. on March 17th, 1961, he files from divorce and claims, uh, and he tells reporters at his ranch that LMA has moved out. At this point, he had picked her up from this sanatorium hospital and brought her back home. Um, but in reality, between March 17th and her death on April 2nd, uh, her life was horrific. So I listened to the podcast Cocaine and Rhinestones to prepare for that. He has a very great slash sad episode on um, shout out tyler may and co yes so thank you for (laughs) the information but in her time between march 17th and april 2nd uh he removed all the phones in the house to make sure she couldn't call for help that's psychotic he beat her up and he made her sign four deeds to transfer all their shared property to him he made her call all their friends or a bunch of their friends and confess to having affairs and tell the same to their daughter and he made her sign a confession. Um, and at the end of the March, at confession end of confession to what? To, to having an affair. He mm. beats her and it's like sign this confession to so having. So basically, an affair. so he could have like this this whole like paper trail of her saying exactly. Jeez, that that's yeah. like some real psychotic shit. So at the end of March, she somehow calls her sister for help, uh, but her sister tells her to wait for a call from someone who can help her, uh, which obviously this call never comes. And she tries to jump out of the car while Cooley is driving, but at the same time beating her and choking her. So what? her jump out of the car results How is he in multiple. I don't know. Uh, one hand, one hand yeah, on the wheel, I mean, and the other hand like choking, choking. someone. We just watched that movie. Ca- cars were different back that. then. <laughs> Remember in the show or the movie, he just pulled the seatbelt back and it choked him. Oh on. Yeah, yeah, that's right. What was her sister doing? She was having a bad day. I mean, day? her like sister had already seen her be beaten up in front of her like earlier and now is like someone will call and help you like, ooh, she was you know what she was just pushing her she was like oh, i'm fucking busy i gotta do some <laughs> shit this guy has 50 gotta, million dollars I'm down at the salon. yeah i gotta harvest that corn like i got a bunch of or shit just, to do. or just like how bad can it be he has 15 million dollars really i mean who knows yeah you might be right on that one um so yeah he chokes her so she has a bunch of these injuries from trying to escape from jumping out of the car and from him beating her, multiple people have gone to the house and seen her within this time period, like doing business stuff with Spade. No one says anything. Um, and at the time, Cooley had um, been mixing alcohol with Thorazine, which is an antipsychotic for people with bipolar disorder and schizophrenia. Blaze Foley was on Thorazine for a lot of his life. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's a very volatile combination. Yeah, apparently. Yeah, apparently. Apparently. So on April 2nd, 1961, around 6 p.m., Spade Cooley attacks LMA for the very last time. Um, So he beats her up and they find blood on the floors, on the walls, on his pants, in their living room, and then also in the bedroom. He chokes her. He stomps on her. He pulls her hair out and he sexually assaults her. Pulls her hair out? Yes. Jesus. Like all of her hair? Not all of it. But like is extremely violent. But he pulled hair out. Um, yeah. So he does all these horrible things to him. And in the middle of this horrible assault, 
uh, their 14-year-old daughter, Melody, comes back from a friend's house. And he brings her into this destroyed house, blood all over the walls, blood all over the floor, uh, to their bathroom where Emma May's nude, bruised, and bloodied body is slumped in the shower. And he takes her out of the shower with his daughter there and slams her head on the floor twice. The daughter or the... No, Ella Mays. And he tells his daughter... Like in front of the daughter. In front of the daughter. And he tells his daughter she has three minutes to wake her up or he would kill Ella May. What the fuck? And then he leaves the room and he verbally counts down the minutes until time is up. And obviously Ella May is not waking up because she's probably comatose at this point. And he says, he comes back in, he says, all right, Melody, you're going to watch me kill her. And he stomps on her stomach three times. Holy Christ. And then. It's like savagely brutal. Yeah. And then he, just to check, burns her with a cigarette to see if she's dead. (laughs) To see if she reacts. You know, just, just, uh, oh my God, for old time's sake, you know. Um, so after this, um, Melody is obviously here witnessing all of this, um, and he tries to act like, I mean, who knows what was going on. He's like, it's fine, you know, now I just have more love to give you and your brothers. And she somehow gets out of the house because her friend's mom or someone is driving up, and she tells them, and he's arrested, I think, that night. Crazy. Slam so he was arrested on April 4th or April 3rd. He has this long interview, which you can watch or listen to. Sorry, you can't watch it. You can listen to it online. So I guess you guys can provide a link. Yeah, yeah we can do, totally definitely. do that. Where definitely. It's like YouTube or some shit? I think it's on SoundCloud. Even it's a better. Whole yeah, one we'll a- it. It's the whole one-hour interview with uh, detectives in the county sheriff's office. I noticed recently this. the FBI has a YouTube channel. It's really? Really I wonder what yeah, they What's on there? It's, oh, interviews, like with serial killers and no like way. all sorts of bullshit. It's fucked up. Huh. Yeah. I wonder what they're thinking with that was. And like, what are you trying to promote? Yeah, like, are you <laughs> raising the profile of the FBI? I don't know. Maybe it's just we a... We all know who you are. Maybe it's a revenue generator for like ads because now of <laughs> no, all the true there's crime. No, there's no, they're not like sponsored. There's nothing. They're not showing ads. Everything <laughs> on YouTube is sponsored. Like if you have like a high click rate, you're getting money from somebody. Oh, anyways, continue. <laughs> so I think it was, I think it was <laughs> almost, so it was a bunch of hours. <laughs> maybe it was a day before um, they finally called a nurse and spade Cooley in this time his wife, you know, dead or dying in the back room, had a business associate over, um, kind of tried to carry on business as usual. And finally, a nurse is called and like she's found and she's dead. And I think her final cause of death was just internal hemorrhaging and blood. So she could have survived. She was alive so for a little bit. So it was maybe the stomping bit. that did that, it. That's what did it. That really? Was, yeah, that is what oh, did it. Yeah. Man. Like she had already been, you know, dying, but... But he could have like so, and that's the part her daughter saw too. Yeah, and th- oh that's the God. weird thing too, right? Is like when you're in the heat of the moment, like you hear this a lot. Like you and I, we listen to a lot of serial yeah. killer podcasts, and you hear this a lot where it's like in the heat of the moment. Am I the only one who doesn't listen to serial killer podcasts? Yes, and you're not going to be the one that survives. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so you would think that he did this. He was it was heated. It happened. He did it. But then he spent like time. Just letting her die, like so. He was always—he's a yeah. total sociopath. Oh yeah, he. Ob- I mean, 
they say he was like you know probably super fucked up on drugs and alcohol but yeah, you, but you at, don't at do that point, like lots of people have when, that experience and don't go and murder someone yeah like, like but when you're super fucked up on alcohol you go and pee on a building like sean does <laughs> yeah on a pillar you don't go <laughs> <laughs> be pillar. like sean <laughs> yeah <laughs> Or sleep in this the is wrong our new Airbnb. Campaign. Exactly. <laughs> this is our new campaign. Be <laughs> like Sean. <laughs> I am a friendly drunk. Yeah. <laughs> but no, so after, uh, what I'm saying is basically, it, after all this time, like if this went on for a while, like he, you'd think he would have just at one point just been like, oh shit, I fucking oh, shouldn't yeah. have done this. Oh no, no. There was none of that because let's, let's get to his arrest. So he's, he's arrested. A, he's a psychopath. He's arrested. He tries to say he's insane, but he's found to be legally sane. So a jury trial begins on July 10th, 1961. Um, and at this trial, a bunch of people testify, but the clincher was that his daughter, Melody, testified against him and, you know, told everyone what she had seen. And, sorry, beer. Uh, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're all drinking a little bit. <laughs> um. Like, there had been some things written being, like, you know, popular opinion was in his favor because he was this much-beloved country musician. But as soon as she testified against him, um, the tone turned in the media because she had been there and she saw it. And, you know, she was crying the whole time she was testifying. Anyways, so apparently after she testifies, he's down in cells and he says things like, wasn't she beautiful? Wasn't she beautiful? And then he has a heart attack. (laughs) <laughs> in the in in cells but he's fine he doesn't suffer any heart damage and he's brought back um to court so like any good psychopath he <laughs> takes the stand in his own defense <laughs> um where he gives yeah, that's the, very like ted bundy ish yeah, yeah. Huh. where he gives uh the good old crime of passion defense oh boy otherwise known as provocation so here's a little legal side note for both of you and if you listeners don't know uh i just recently graduated from law school and i am currently articling at a criminal defense firm so so this is your wheelhouse this is my wheelhouse you're just entering into the wheelhouse right now (laughs) drop some knowledge on us (laughs) i'll drop some knowledge some of it's from wikipedia but we'll move on (laughs) from there (laughs) (laughs) that's how you conduct your business on a daily basis i mean (laughs) (laughs) you fucking lawyers where do you think we uh how do we know all these things So if you don't know what provocation is, provocation is a defense um, where if a person is considered to have committed a criminal act partly because of the events that may cause a reasonable person, I'm saying reasonable person in quotes because who is a reasonable person, um, to cause this reasonable person to lose control to make them less culpable for the offense. So we've seen historically uh, the defense of provocation used by men who kill um, sex workers who they claim to have just found out they were you know transgendered and oh man or like this guy was gay and he was hitting on me so I just had to murder him Um, so provocation was historically used in those kind of instances it's also been used um, men who find out they say they find out their their wife was cheating on them and they were just so angry they don't know what happened provocation men whose wives cry constantly (laughs) (laughs) Oh shit! <laughs> but that that provocation—it's like someone did something that bothers. You. They didn't do something to you; they did something that bothers you, and that's provocation. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. that's crazy. Damn it! Like it's it's it. W- I mean, okay. Anyways, like that's not a thing anymore, right? No. Um, no, not as much. Um, you'll be happy to know that nowadays sexual infidelity is not a qualifying form of provocation in most jurisdictions. What is an example of something that is qualifying? 
So let me get there. Okay. Um, <laughs> so provocation, the defense of provocation can only be used in some common law jurisdictions now in murder cases. So it's only available mostly for murder cases, and that's to reduce the conviction um, from murder to manslaughter. On mm. s- Still bullshit. So, but for example, in Canada, you can only use provocation as a defense if the act made against you would have been a criminal of offense punishable by five or more years of imprisonment. So if someone is trying to kill you, that's, you know, that's worth more than five years of imprisonment. Um, You killing them, like you could use provocation. I mean, you would probably use self-defense, but provocation, the door is still open um, if someone's intending to commit a criminal offense against you. And you can prove that. If someone's trying to kill me and I shot them in the face, like, (laughs) would that be a problem? Like someone literally. I cannot give you any legal advice. Oh <laughs> <laughs> You'll have to ask somebody else about so the murder you're planning. I, <laughs> <laughs> I also think some of this, and it, it, it stems from uh, another podcast I listened to called Last Podcast on the Left, where they talk a lot about um, uh, a lot of serial killers, and they talk about the less, they call them the less dead. And it was a thing back then where it was like when people, uh, a lot of serial killers, like back in the like, 60s 70s or even like 1900s like they would kill people that <coughs> called the last dead so it was like sex workers yeah uh people of color like anything like that where it was like nobody gave a shit back then like, yeah and it, you can see this defense being used to against um you know really vulnerable people like people who had been well, murdered that's what it was. yeah that you know were seen as less than in society sex yeah. workers people of color etc mm. etc yeah and then obviously women. Um, so it was like if you were operating as a serial killer back then and you went after, you know, that part of society, you were pretty good. Like some of those serial killers were, they killed 50, 60, 70 people. But then you get someone who's going after, you know, white people, women, children, like children, and then they were white, white children, white children, <laughs> white children will do it. You know, a white girl goes missing. Boom. You know, it helps. With it's time to too. kill. Time yeah. to kill. Time the to kill. Right, right at the end. Yeah, hundred percent. By hooker, I mean hook, not <laughs> prostitute. Sorry. Wow. I don't know why I always say <laughs> hooker is like this. the hook. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> that, I just that is strange. Oh, damn it, Andrew. Yeah, yeah, where does that come I from? I always say the hook, and it's like, oh, that's the hooker of that, like, and then it sounds like I mean something else. <laughs> All right, continue with your story. Anyways, so that's surprise a, ending is what is I should have said. <laughs> bam, bam, a happy bam. ending? No. No. Okay, happy so that he was convicted, no, but no. Okay. Okay, anyways, so there's your little legal memo on the defensive provocation. Don't do it. Um, <laughs> but let's move on. So Spade Cooley tries this defense. Is that legal defense. advice? That's Don't not do legal it. advice. I am not I a lawyer. I feel like you're always yet. throwing le- legal advice at me. Don't say that. <laughs> What did I ever do? I give you like a suggestion to look up. If she says don't pee on a building. Don't pee on a building. That's That's common sense, not legal advice. I peed on one building (laughs) that we know of. I slept in one wrong Airbnb. (laughs) That wasn't illegal. That was just hilarious. (laughs) That was hilarious. Anyways, so Spade Cooley, back to this dirtbag. So he tries to say she admitted to cheating on him with two men and that she was in a free love cult. And all he did was slap her once. And then afterwards, basically to show how much much she loved him, she burned herself with a cigarette. Wow. Uh, so surprise, surprise, he's found guilty on August 19th by the jury. Um, so earlier... That I is kind of a surprise. That actually, yeah, surprisingly, he got yeah. found guilty. Well, I think a lot of people, when I was looking at different articles, were like, you know, the, his daughter's testimony was really what right. turned the wheel. Like, people were like, really? 
Yeah. Really, Spade, you <laughs> exactly. fucking piece of shit. <laughs> well, they because he, I think he had called some witnesses that w- that you know she had called when he forced him to call people to say that she had been cheating on him. He called some witnesses that <laughs> were like, "Oh yeah, I got a phone call and she said she had been cheating on him." He's on their front porch, like uh, just sharpening a knife. Yeah. Like <laughs> so it was. I think it was a kind of a dirty, like you know, a really messy trial up until then. Um, so he's found guilty on August 19th, 1961, um, but he withdraws his insanity defense um, before he was sentenced, which probably saved him from the gas chamber because they still had the death penalty back there in California. And I think they just got rid of it recently. So California had the death penalty? Snaps for California. <laughs> I had no idea California had the death penalty. Really? And it was gas chamber? California yeah. hasn't always been as liberal as it is now. Huh. It was the Wild West for a long time, bro. Oh, fuck. Good for them. Um, So he's sentenced to life in prison, uh, convicted of first-degree murder on August 21st, 1961. The judge, when sentencing him, said he he has been a source of pleasure for a segment of people, so we can't say that he has been antisocial. There was nothing in his life to indicate he could not be rehabilitated. So Mr. Cooley is sent to prison, but, but he has his assessment done and he's found to be mentally disturbed. So he's sent to the California Medical Facility in Vacaville. I think that's how you say that. So he never really saw the inside of a prison and he spent his time carving violins and teaching in the music department. Carving violins? Carving violins. I saw that in more than one location when doing my research, so it must be true. Hmm. What yeah. a fucking piece of shit. Y- y- this happens so much, right? Like these yeah. guys where it's like, they're somewhat celebrity, so they get away with their heinous crimes. All by of like a sudden, he wasn't insane, but he's insane enough to, you know, spend time in yeah. this lovely little place Ugh. where he had a private room. I, I'm not. Uh, I, I don't like Speed Cooley. All right, here's more. Not a fan. I've got more for you. <laughs> so after serving only eight years of his life sentence, uh, he was scheduled to be paroled in February 1970 with the endorsement from none other than Governor. Can you guess? John Wayne. No, R- Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan. <laughs> yes. Oh, Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan. Oh, hell. He's just a good old boy. <laughs> Nancy was just like, it's okay, Ronnie. I worked Ronnie. with him on some films. Get him out of there. Yeah. <laughs> he seemed all right. His wife never had Did a Did they actually, guy. were they in films together? I have no idea. They might. It, I just made. There's a good chance they were. Yeah. Because they definitely old, knew old each Ronnie other. Ronnie was in some films. Yeah. There's no way they didn't cross paths like at least once, God you know? It. Um, anyway, so before this very early parole comes into effect, he got given this temporary furlough to perform at a charity concert for the Deputy Sheriff's Association of Alameda Ca- County. What are you laughing it's about? Gets a furlough to go perform for the police. <laughs> yeah, yes. wild, right? Like well, he'd been doing these shows for a long time before he was arrested, so... I guess they were like, oh, it's been seven years since he murdered well, his wife. Well, that's not a real <laughs> sentence. Like, you can't make this shit up. Yeah. <laughs> so he, he goes to the, and it's in the Oakland uh, Auditorium, and he's performing as a part of the Grand Old Opry Spectacular. Um, on the road? On the road, I suppose. <laughs> so on this was on <laughs> this was on November 23rd, 1969. So he's there in this auditorium. There's almost 3,000 people there cheering him on. He plays this um, apparently amazing set. Um, he's super excited, super jazzed, um, because he, this convicted wife-beating murderer, a piece of fucking um, human garbage. He was giving a s- he was given a standing ovation 
before his intermission. So he hasn't even come back. Was there like women holding signs saying, murder me, Spade? (laughs) (laughs) Who knows? I mean, maybe. Uh, Not okay. But he was, so he's like backstage (laughs) at intermission. Actually, like not really too soon. I mean, it's been a very (laughs) long long time. It's been a little while. (laughs) Just just off color. (laughs) Here's your new uh, Halloween costume. Um, (laughs) So he's, he's backstage. He's at intermission. He's talking about a comeback. And he says something like, today is the first day of the rest of my life. So you'll like this. So in a swing of poetic justice, something that uh, only Aeschylus could write, he suffers a massive heart attack backstage and he dies nice. during the intermission. I thought you were going to say like someone cut off his dick. <laughs> that would have been better. Would that have been better than I he I think so. <laughs> uh, anyways, so like, you know, the gods must have given him another chance. And I think it was just a test to see if he would be humbled by the experience. But because like his ego some, uh, uh, got the best of him, the fates decided to cut him free. But so he died. Uh, oh, twice. Twice. You threw in two bam. Greek references. And so just to just to add, make this uh, fate, the fate of fate what's his name? Spade Cooley, a little bit more sweet, is that Ronald Reagan, again, was at this event about to announce that he had given Cooley a full pardon. Like, what the fuck, Reagan? Someone who had been convicted of murdering his wife in probably one of the most horrific ways. Where was Nancy Reagan at this point? She's silent, as always, usually. You know? Damn it. AIDS crisis, silent. Spade Cooley, silent. Fully silent. Fully silent. (sighs) Um, anyway, so uh, that's the story of Spade Cooley and the murder of his wife, Ella May. Um, I think it's important to note that uh, her long and prolonged abuse at the hands of Cooley could not possibly have gone unnoticed by most people that surrounded them and knew them well, and that her death, though it was executed by Cooley, is on the hands of everyone who saw her tortured and abused that's a and thing, didn't right? reach out. Um, so here's to Ella May. And all the shit she had to go through. And I'm sure she was a beautiful mother. So that's the story that I have to share with you today. Thank you for all of the... I consulted gothicwestern.com, pleasekillme.com, wikipedia.org, pleasekillme.com. Yeah. And then I also listened to Tyler Mayhew Co.'s uh, podcast. So that's where I got all my information. And that is my story for tonight. It's amazing when you hear all these stories of like the ultimate silence of everybody where yeah. it's just like everyone's like oh fuck i didn't see shit yeah and it's like how could you not have seen it yeah i mean I, I don't all know. those people that went to their house in the days before she was killed yeah when she was being beat up you know i'm i'm i was about to say i'm glad to say we're past this point mm-hmm. but i'm really not sure we really are we really aren't like i think people still hold silent like for no fucking reason yeah Anyways, no i agree I if agree. you if you're a listener and you see some shit Say something. See yeah. something, say something, and say offer a whole your bunch support. Of Call me. I'll come over and fuck some <laughs> shit up. And uh, donate to You've your local women's shelter God, if so. you can. Yeah, I do have a lot of guns. I will fuck some shit up. <laughs> Don't do that. No guns. <laughs> anyway. Oh. My, beer is, almost, my, now, now my beer is almost empty because I, I needed it to get through that And now we're back to me needing legal advice. <laughs> well, I've, I've got... We'll, we'll, uh, we'll pop this guy. What are you popping? Got something pretty badass. Ooh, Andrew's popping tops. So we got this beautiful <coughs> bottle of beer from our pals Mallory and Justin. Shout out. Whoa. Um, to <sighs> for because we just got we got engaged. Like, I guess this was two years ago. Yeah, congratulations. I mean, and we just got married this summer, and you know, that's exciting. I guess. 
And uh, they We've gave us. We've been meaning to get to this beer. We've been meaning while. to get to what, this. You guys are drinking it in a wine glass. I think that's all yeah. we have on the table. <laughs> We're not trying to be fancy. <laughs> it's a good way to drink this particular beer, anyway. Oh, is that for me? Oh shit! It is. Actually, this. Oh, I, I feel like very, you know. Very included. Uh, this is from Cascade Brewing in Portland, some of uh, the Pacific Northwest. I love most you guys. Badass craft beer, the Vitus Noble. You guys should. <laughs> maybe you guys should. Maybe you guys should adopt me. Okay. Like as your child. <laughs> <laughs> as your child. Do you have any student debt left? <laughs> None. Okay, perfect. I have a house. I have a cottage. Oh yes. Oh, so you can help us with her student debt. <laughs> Andrew, sure. let's plan his murder. <laughs> yeah. Get him to oh. sign, sign over all the sheets. <laughs> Please don't murder Ixnay me. Ixnay on the Erder May. <laughs> Did I mention how many guns I own? <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I gotta, I gotta mm. talk about a murder, eh? Please, I'm done All talking. Right. Let me oh, drink this thing. This is so I, good. I know. Thank you, Justin and Mallory. If you wow. guys, if anyone here it's knows where uh, Prince Edward County is, these two buttes just opened up a brewery called Matron Fine Beer, and you need to go check them out. Matron Fine, that is tasty. This, I mean, this isn't their beer. This is a beer they gifted to us, ah, but their yeah. beer is also very good. Andrew, tasty. I'm surprised you like it. This is, Why? it just seems outside of your. Why? I, it's got some sourness to it. It's like. I love sour beer. I thought you hated sour beer. No. Huh. I hate stouts. Oh. That's what you're always pushing on me. Whatever, dude. Yeah. I, I like all kinds of beer as long as it's good and balanced. Like, I need, I need beer to be fresh and crisp. Fresh. And Crisp. so, like th- that's that can be in any type of style, but like a big IPA can still be fresh and crisp if it's made in the right way. That's why I just don't love a lot of porters and stouts that's and fair. things like that that that's are fair. kind of like broad and kind of heavy and weighing it down. We should have like a whole beer podcast. We totally could. that that would be maybe the podcast where we bring Amelia back. Yes, yes, yes. I thought of her before I get into this story. I thought of a really awesome podcast that I could do. It would be in my 15 minute drive to work every day. Yeah. Would be a podcast. Oh, and that's it, actually a good idea. It, I think so it would be, be into that. Just me throwing out like whatever bullshit I'm thinking about. Yeah. And then in the middle of it would be like me snapping when someone like cuts me off. <laughs> so like it would be like funny. Like yeah. Fif- fif- yeah. 15 minutes. That's it. I, I think heard. You should do it. I heard that there's um, on CBC, there's this thing called podcast playlist where they do snippets of various different podcasts to kind of expose people to cool podcasts they find. And there was this one called Walking. And it's apparently by this comedian I'd never heard of. But Christopher Walken? No. (laughs) Walken's welcome. Uh, Yeah, no, there's... It's it's like he has his phone in his pocket. It sounds almost like an ass dial. Oh, sure. Where he's... It's just walking. All you hear is the sound of walking. And at first you think it's going to be stupid and boring, but there's something almost meditative about it. <laughs> like there's a rhythm to it. And apparently he stops. They didn't show this on the clip that I heard, but he stops and like unfolds a paper and reads like an <laughs> ad and then like continues walking. And it's like half an hour of just like walking sounds and like some traffic and things like that. I think it'd be real funny for Mike. Cause, like I talked to myself all the time. I'm just like, oh, look at this fucking guy with his pants. Like, what are you doing? Like, But do you feel <laughs> like you would be inauthentically playing it up if you knew it was recording as opposed to what you'd be mumbling to yourself oh boy like i would change my yeah yeah because what might be be funny on its own yeah like i'd have to sneak it up on you as opposed to and hear the funny weird (laughs) shit you say to yourself (laughs) like 
man, <laughs> look at that building. Oh, I want to piss on that building. <laughs> no, no, no. I'd be like, look are at we that. still here? Look at are that. Look at that pillar. Here? I'd love to piss <laughs> yeah, on that <laughs> pillar. You didn't pee on the pillar. You hid behind the pillar. <laughs> look, look at that Airbnb. I'd love to sleep in it. I don't even. I've never been to that Airbnb. I'd love to sleep in it. I don't know those people. I'm gonna bunk <laughs> with them. All right. What do you got for murders? All right. Ooh, let me get spooky here for a second. Okay. Let me take a quick piss on this pillar. <laughs> That's my table. <laughs> no. Well, I would never piss on your table. It was a regular night in Nashville, Tennessee. Dave Aikman, known as String Bean, had just finished a packed show at the Ryman Auditorium. After the show, his wife Estelle packed their gear into their Cadillac, which String Bean had just bought recently, and drove them back to their three-room cabin, which was just north of Tennessee. On 142 north acres. North of Tennessee? North of Tennessee. Yeah. Not they north like of Nashville? The whole they state? live out of state? Uh... I don't know. They were up north. Okay. God damn it. Jesus, guys. Sorry. <laughs> hmm. It was maybe just north of Nashville. That's I don't know. Probably. What's yeah. a commute like? <laughs> they probably do a podcast on their commute. <laughs> 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 they were on 142 acres up there in Ridgetop, which I guess is north of Nashville. Maybe I said that wrong. Uh, this was just a routine night for the couple, except when String Bean's neighbor... Uh, Lewis Marshall Jones, a well-known banjo player and an old-timey singer known as Grandpa Jones. And I can kind of appreciate that. Cause Grandpa Jones. I played for a while as Are Uncle Sean. It's true. <laughs> Grandpa Are you Jones actually an uncle, was though? badass. He was badass. Yeah. And, and he was like best videos, that guy? Yeah, man. He's the guy that did all the twirling of the yeah. banjo and everything. He was like one of the first like guitar type showman people. So fucking Grandpa Jones arrived <laughs> like to pick up uh, string bean for like they were going to go hunting but string bean on his in his own right was a super virtuoso okay, who is string bean can we can we backpedal here he's just like six nine seven foot like just the a tall guy in his own right but he was very skinny and he made himself look even taller like he played he, he had the wore this string like bean. costume like okay he had these like overalls that were really long but had like they were short like he wore them low so he had like short legs but yeah. w which made his torso and everything look taller yeah you got so it so he played this banjo um he, he was on yeehaw and he would have been in the grand yeah, Ole opry i think he was on the grand Ole yes, opry band i know what yeehaw is i'm not, I'm not telling you i'm not, I'm not, I, don't not yeehaw, I don't know i don't know what it is oh i see so yeehaw <laughs> was this show that uh yeehaw <laughs> yeah, hee-haw. Sorry, not yee-haw. That's right. I corrected uh, you guys like four times. Hee-haw. <laughs> hee-haw was a show. It was like a musical variety Wait, and comedy Sean show. is Sean going to tell us? No, I'm done. I'm going to leave. Is well, Sean going to tell Andrew's us? Andrew's got I thought you said you didn't know what hee-haw no, was. No, but maybe it's in Sean's story. It's not in Sean's story. I don't no, think it I is. don't really go into like a deep oh, dive okay. of hee-haw. Okay. <laughs> now we got to finish this. I feel like I have to finish what hee-haw is. Talk, somebody else tell everybody not. about hee-haw. It was this musical variety show that started in the late 60s and it was like comedy vignettes that were, it was all based on a farm. And so you would have the, the this like farm type family and the neighbors and like the women and the men and the kids and they'd all sit around this barn or the yard or the cornfield and tell jokes and in between there would be um, musical guests. It was like the musical variety a show musical for country show. For, okay. for, forever. Like for ev country every people. single person has ever been who was through the sixties through nineties has been or early nineties, late eighties, everybody has been on hee haw. Okay. We should start up a new hee haw. <laughs> and so anyway string bean was I, he played on hee-haw i think yeah. but also on the grand Ole opry yep. he was like a big time 
Banjo he Virtuoso. Was big, he was very big time at this yeah. point in time. So Grandpa Jones uh, arrived to pick up uh, String Bean at his house. They were going to go hunting. And uh, he made a little bit of a grisly discovery. What Grandpa Jones found was Estelle, uh, Estelle's body, which is String Bean's wife, uh, laying dead in the driveway uh, in some oh weeds about 20 yards away from the front porch. She was shot in the back, and it appeared that she was running away when she was shot. What? Mm-hmm. Shot in the back? String bean I thought himself. this was going to be like a hunting accident No, story. dude. <laughs> you know I'm going to get fucking grizzly. <laughs> wow. Uh, String- I had no idea about this. String bean himself was inside the house, also shot, and he was face down on the floor. Oddly enough, String bean's famous, as well as priceless banjo, was sitting on the porch. The banjo had been given to him by legendary musician Uncle Dave McCone. This That's was nice that the banjo, you know, what got through it unscathed. Like they didn't like, take it. Like who cares about these people? And like, it was the very, banjo? That's like, okay. Very famous <laughs> and like probably worth a lot of money. Probably, and yeah. these fucking idiots didn't even take that. Oh. Anyways, this was November of 1973. It was actually Uncle Dave I was thinking of, not Grandpa Jones. Ah. That was the the first guy that's like the virtuoso who was doing all the showmanship and flipping the banjos and everything. It was totally uh, Uncle Dave Macon was his name. Yeah, that's what I said. That that's who. Uh, oh, I thought you just said Uncle Dave. Yeah, yeah, that's who gave him the banjo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, it just boom in my head connections. That, exactly. Bitch. Yep. <laughs> there you go. So, anyways, th- this was uh, November 1973. The story briefly made national news, but in the wake of the Watergate hearings, uh, Skylab, and the kidnapping of Paul Getty III, it quickly faded from the national eye. I had to look up some of these other stories. I was like, what? Paul Getty III. He was like that? some, uh, like. Billionaires. Watergate? What's that? <laughs> <laughs> Paul Getty III was like some billionaire's kid who got kidnapped and then like demanded like a seventeen million dollar. Oh, yes. I know this. Yeah, and I do he remember got this. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to look it all up, but yeah, that was a thing. Anyways, it really pushed it off the radar. Um, but in terms of Nashville, this was far from a blip on the radar for them, uh, for the residents in Nashville. Uh, it sent a shockwave wave of fear and paranoia amongst the close-knit community of musicians, uh, not unlike the paranoia surrounding the Manson murders in California, which had happened you know, like a few years before. Ooh. The paranoia was amplified tenfold when 17 days later, musician Jimmy Widener was found shot in the back near an alleyway in North Nashville. What is this about getting shot in the back? Like, that's the most cowardly way to kill someone. Right? Yeah. And, and Mildred Hazelwood, they were shot together like there was just Mildred Hazelwood Lee Hazelwood relation yeah we're gonna get to it okay but they were both just found in an alley shot both had been beaten up and shot oh execution style so this happens in the span of a couple of days for also, side note people say execution style what does that mean like just point blank like back of the, the back, back of the, of the head, head. Back of yeah the head. okay thought yeah. so you you missed well, me doing well, I saw you do your like <laughs> Pop uh, at your wife like for finger, some reason. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, man. Who is getting murdered tonight? I feel like we've gone around the circle. Could be any of us. <laughs> it's well, a murder well. mystery, a live murder mystery. <laughs> so we'll we'll come back to this Jimmy Widener and Mildred Hazelwood murder after, but this caused like a serious panic because it was within two weeks of each other, two country music couples got murdered in well, they weren't coupled, but like it it, it happened and people were freaking out. So Nashville loves Stringbean. The stories about him are well-known amongst the community. By all accounts, Stringbean was likely a millionaire. Uh, he lived in a tiny cabin on the top of a hill in North Nashville in true hillbilly fashion. The only extravagances in his life were a color TV and a Cadillac, which he bought in cash, a new one each year. 
Wow. Right? That's your jam? Goals right there. (laughs) Just a log cabin and a Cadillac. That's all it takes to make me happy. Not joking. (laughs) Actually. (laughs) I'm on board. Yep. So this fucking guy, Stringbean, he didn't even know how to drive. Uh, His wife, Estelle, would drive him around. Stringbean and Estelle were well-known around town for flashing cash. And they're also well-known for their distrust of cash. Or distrust of banks, sorry. So they wouldn't put any of their money in the banks. They were no way. So it started to become known amongst people that they had a lot of cash on them or Mm. in their cabin or wherever they were. Where is all these millions he's supposedly worth if it's not in a bank? Let's go bust this guy up and find it. in their rafters and under their floorboards, Uh under the bed. Inside the banjo. Yeah. (laughs) In your butthole. I don't know. Wherever you put your (laughs) fucking cash. I have no idea. Um, So this distrust for banks was common at the time because it was after uh, the Great Depression. So a lot of people were just like, fuck you. We're not putting our money there. But uh, but most assumed uh, that all the money that they had, possibly millions, was stored somewhere uh, in their cabin or on their property somewhere. So I'm going to get into some quotes here. Fellow Grand Ole Opry star uh, Roya Cuff commented, a cuff. <laughs> a cuff. I said that twice now, eh? Yeah. <laughs> a cuff. A cuff. Fucking me and my pronunciation. The wrong emphasis on the wrong <laughs> syllable. Shut your hot mouth. <laughs> my hot mouth? Hot <laughs> mouth. Uh-oh. Are you going to pee on me? <laughs> I might. I might. Uh, so this is a is right. because I have a mustache now? <laughs> this is a right. Oh yeah, for all uh, A cuff quote. Uh, he was such a gentle guy, always helping others. Money, I guess. That's why they did it. Look at that little house. That's why String wanted to live. Uh, <laughs> he would have bought 10 farms that size with 10 mansions on them, but he preferred to fish, hunt, and sit in that rocking chair and look up at the mountains. Seriously, life goals. Wow. That plus Cadillac. Right? Seriously. <laughs> and Roy also commented that, that string, <laughs> string Beans Killer should be strung up. Oh. Good line. Bazinga. Bazinga, yeah. <laughs> According to police as was the suspicion echoed by most folks that knew String Bean. Uh, the motive was, mic- the motive was uh, likely robbery. Uh, the cabin had been ransacked and some of Estelle's things, uh, the evidence pointed towards that there were uh, likely three killers since there were three different calibers of bullets. However, uh, that was dis- disputed as String Bean himself was known to carry a gun. However, the police never found it. So they didn't know if he fired back or what happened, but they never found the third gun. Uh, one odd fact surfaced during the investigation as it was widely accepted uh, fact that String Bean did not trust banks. However, they found several bank books that show that he had entrusted the bank with nearly half a million dollars. Huh. Stranger than this, when the bodies uh, were taken to the funeral, this is weird, when the bodies were taken to the funeral home, the mortician found $3,500 stitched into his overalls. What? Like how hillbilly Whoa. is that? Yeah, you're just like I'm just gonna <laughs> like put in my overalls. But it is also that, like, means like whoever killed them, like were they really after the money? Well, yeah, gonna, right. Who's Did gonna feel up all the seams all? and everything? 
No, but like, you know, quick little pat down. Where's your money? Yeah, you'd, f- you'd figure you it'd be there, someone. right? Like, it's not like you're in a rush. They're on the top of the Yeah, they're already no dead. One around them. Pat down the overalls. I don't think anybody's going to expect to find $3,500 not in a pocket, like in a seam of a pant, as all opposed right, now, to like all digging All you future up. murderers out there, make sure you always <laughs> check the seams of the people yeah. that you uh, dispose like, of. I, I think you're more right on what you said earlier about like <laughs> the floorboards or the rafters yeah, or something. Yeah, that's where it should like, all be, yeah, right? You're, you're busting in there, like planning on looking for this money that's supposedly not in a bank you're probably looking at places like that as opposed to like the the ridiculously low cut yeah. long you're like I, overalls I, I, that ain't, have I ain't dipping into his yeah. overalls <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you want to hear a weirder thing yes yes i do <laughs> i'm not sure how much weirder this whole conversation can get but oh there was also 2200 dollars uh inside estelle's bra that's the place to hide it. I yeah, mean, that's like, not weirder. she's that's the more original G. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's OG. more straightforward. The OG money hider. Like, where do you think you had money when you're walking down the street alone at night? You put it <laughs> in your bra. No one's going to go there. <laughs> if they do, you're in a whole lot of other trouble. So let's shift gears a little bit. Okay. <laughs> so 17 days later, November 27th, police discover the bodies of Jimmy Widener, Mildred Hazelwood, beaten and shot in an alley. Police say from the angle of the bullet wounds, it appears that they may have been forced to lie on the ground before being shot. Robbery was the motive, but the cop said, I won't say what was taken. Mildred was 47 and the widower, widower of a performer and songwriter, Eddie Hazelwood. Eddie so, Hazelwood? Yeah. I don't know who that is. Well, uh, he was a guitar player and they were both California residents. Uh, he played with Gene Autry and Roy Rogers. Any relation to Lee Hazelwood? That's probably something you'll have to dive into yourself. Okay. Uh, for the past 10 years, he'd played in a backing band for Hank Snow, so a little Canadian connection. Oh. Always dial it back to Canada. Canada. Yeah. Canada. Shout out to Canadiana. <laughs> so as the story goes, Mildred was in town to sell some songs and uh, unreleased recordings from her late husband. The manager, uh, Bud Wenderell, the manager of the Opry at the time, said, Killed. I can't believe it. Right here at the Opry House. Meeting with artists, promoters, and bookers. Hank Snow said, first it was Stringbean, a good guy. Now it's Jimmy Widener, a good guy. I wonder when it's going to stop. I like how we call them both a good guy. Yeah. Like, you couldn't have used a different, like, (laughs) sure wasn't a bad guy. (laughs) What a douche. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, So I'm going to quote directly. that word existed back then. Douche? Are Probably. We, are it, we really going to hypothesize yeah, we're, on we're this gonna, right now? We're gonna, I guess only in French it would have existed. Well, it, it was probably there, but in a nice way. Or yeah. in a perfunctory way. People right? was, yeah. were still using that as contraception back then. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That it, it still was had like, a functional value. <laughs> huh. <laughs> so, anyways, you learn. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote <laughs> here, uh, written by the website we talked about earlier called pleasekillme.com. Because I, I feel like yeah, I, I they couldn't. Yeah, everything. Yeah. And I, I felt like I couldn't write this better than how they wrote it. Yeah. 18 days, four corpses, two of them Opry performers killed after visiting the Opry. Who was killing the country stars? After Stringbean and his wife were murdered, Nashville stars made sure to look to lock their doors. In wake of the latest countrified <laughs> double murder, country music greats like the movie stars in the Canyon Hills of Hollywood four years earlier hired security, another Charles Manson reference, added extra locks to their gates, slept with a gun under their pillow. Everybody from Roy Acuff to Tex Ritter to Bill Anderson were wondering who was going to be next. 
The paranoia would only last for a few days as Nashville detectives, detectives uh, led a raid on a motel in South Memphis on November 29th. They arrested two suspects, not without a fight, as when they entered the motel room, uh, Morris McKinney started firing, and they unloaded on him with all their firepower. Morris uh, had been trying to flush jewelry and credit cards down the toilet. Uh, what a waste. This, this It's starting to sound like uh, a little bit Rob Zombie, like, yeah. you know, blast off. Um, and yeah, they arrested all three of them. They didn't, they, they clipped a guy, but they got all three of them alive. Uh, Richard Benjamin Dunn, Philip Glenn Mason. And I feel like back then they always gave people their full names, you know, the full, three names. Yeah. <laughs> I think they do that to all murderers. Huh? So that they don't like misassociate it with someone else. Well, that makes sense. Like how many Sean Olivers are there? Like, yeah, but how many Sean Patrick Olivers are there? Exactly. <laughs> That's the thing. Yeah. It would be Not like to Sean be Patrick Oliver, aged X of Ottawa, Ontario. <laughs> and then that name becomes infamous and it's like the that's that's how serial killers are always three names. That's fair. That's yeah. fair. John Wayne Gacy. So I like this part. The fucking police hired a plumber to dismantle the toilet to recover the flush goods. Days later, um, they found <laughs> <laughs> They recovered jewelry, credit cards, a nine millimeter pistol, uh, a pink suitcase, the keys to Jimmy's. They got a pink suitcase out of the toilet. No, it wasn't in the suitcase. Oh, it was in the car. Uh, all sorts of stuff they found, basically to link these guys to the murder. Um, but what was accomplished by this was basically they they linked these guys to that other murder. Right. Okay. At, at this because they were still hanging on to shit from the previous stuff. Yeah, and yeah. they thought it was like uh, a dual murder, like the same people, right, murdering the same people, and it wasn't. So um, you get into some quotes where I am again quoting: uh, "These aren't the African American invaders." Uh, with apologies to Charlie Pride, Pristine Cracker, Lily White, Home of Country Music. These were rednecks, local yokels, String Beans neighbors. Raised in Greenbrier, a few miles from his cabin, they grew up hearing stories of the Opry and his caches of cash, and the visions proved more intoxicating than George Jones's white lightning, so much that they were willing to kill for a slug. Wait, I'm sorry. Did they say, like, oh, these guys aren't African-American, but they still murdered someone? No. Is that so, what they said? So what they're saying is, like, after they arrested... Um, the Afri- African Americans oh. for murdering this o- other couple. It was just like okay. it completely had nothing to do with it. Right. And the string bean murders were actually his fucking neighbors. That's like, so awful. Just guys who were just like, he's got money. We're gonna like. So wait. they're differentiating this from the other thing, saying it's not okay. the African American yes. guys that did the other thing. This is it's a whole other set a bunch of, of other crazy guys. guys that are actually his neighbors. Yes. And, okay, I see. Like hillbillies, yeah. like whatever. And if it, they're his neighbors and they know his situation. Why would they bother killing uh, unless they were surprised by him? Like, wouldn't they be able to just like sneak in there when they're gone? I often thought like, because it said that they waited in there, like in his cabin for hours. Like, why, why didn't you? J- and, and, why don't you and, just use that time to hunt for the cash? And it later was discovered that there was tons of cash in the wall. Like what you were the? saying. <laughs> so they could have spent all that time digging through the walls. Getting all the cash out and, and just leaving. left. And nobody would have been the wiser. People are stupid, though. You know, they're like, we have. Particularly hillbillies. Particularly guys like that, like no education neighbors. uh, Population that listens to They were just like, yuck, yuck, we should stay here. And we don't even mean like hillbilly as 
like people who like country music or something, but like hardcore real ass hillbillies, like they're not listening to podcasts, so you're not offending anybody. <laughs> chances are we're not getting murdered. Yeah, chances are they don't know what a podcast is. But <laughs> I mean, I got a lot of money in my in my walls. Yeah. <laughs> I probably do. And Sean's address is. <laughs> but it is surrounded by guns. <laughs> <laughs> and, and very scary dogs. Oh, very scary. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that's about it. That's the the end of it, you know. Wow, that's so sad. It's like a murder for nothing. It was. And that's exactly what it was. It was a murder yeah. for nothing. They didn't I mean, need to murder them. Yeah. They could have just taken the money. I feel like most murders are murders for nothing. But that's like exceptionally. You know, Unless like it's provocation. <laughs> well, <laughs> Amelia, as someone that listens to a lot of like murder podcasts, do you find that oftentimes I do find this that it ends with like it's a murder for nothing? You're always just oh, like, oh, it always ah. is. Like you know, like there's no I mean, there's no good reason to murder someone unless like they're trying to kill you. But then it's not murder; it's self defense. So yeah. sometimes, um, yeah, no, there's there's no good reason to kill someone. So listeners, don't do that. There are other solutions to your problems. <laughs> Wait a, wait a, good public service announcement. Quick PSA. Quick PSA. What do you do got, Andrew? Do not kill your neighbors. <laughs> do not kill. I'm. So. I might. <laughs> um, well, my favorite country murder is about one that went down on Music Row. It happened uh, the year I graduated high school. Actually, as I looked this up, I. How old are you? I am 35, so this happened in 2003. Do you know what grade I was in 2003? Don't I don't want to think about it. <laughs> don't make it creepy. <laughs> As guys with younger... Less, we, we, would, we would not be together at that point. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're making a real creepy. Oh, that's, yeah, that's not good. <laughs> For everybody in, out there, I my, wife, my wife is eight years six. younger than me, so we are currently 35 and 27. <laughs> I don't want to think about that. <laughs> you shouldn't tell, either. Tell your story. Anyways, so it happened the year I graduated high school. Uh, I remember it pretty clearly. It was the country music event of the year, actually. Uh, the victim's heart was cut out, and some say their soul as well. But they never Jesus found Christ, any dude. fingerprints or any weapons, and nobody saw the culprit running from the scene of the crime on 16th Avenue, a.k.a. Oh, fuck you. Music yeah, Row. come on. It was a high-level conspiracy <laughs> conspiracy involving the country music establishment <laughs> and We're the lust of the almighty dollar and worldwide fame. You fucking dick. It caused Hank the Hag and the Possum to pack up and go oh. back home. Even though the last hanging in Tennessee was 90 years <laughs> earlier in 1913, everyone thought that somebody should hang for this murder on Music Row. Get out. Get out of your own house. Okay, okay, okay. That's not the real one. <laughs> That's a pretty good one. <laughs> it was pretty good. Um, so tell us what that was about. Oh, well, if you figured it out, what is it about? I mean, like, murder on Music Row. George Strait and I don't know who the other guy is. Oh, Jackson. Yeah, there you Jackson, go. There you go. It's true. That's uh, that's a joke murder. <laughs> on but a real I murder. I thought you right? were gonna a keep real murder. A real murder to I you. I thought you were gonna keep going on that. I could. Do you have a murder? Do you have an actual? I murder? do actually have an actual okay. murder. <laughs> yeah. Um. So my murder is uh, concerning one Jerry Lee Lewis. 
And um, reading from Wikipedia about his early life, uh, Lewis was born in 1935 to a poor farming family of Elmo and Mammy Lewis. In Elmo? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's I'm bring that name back. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> in Faraday, uh, Concordia Parish in eastern Louisiana. I like how every, like, I feel like I've heard a number of times now that places in Louisiana, it's almost like parishes are the county. Like Faraday being the town and then Concordia Parish, like as if that's a county in another state is referred to, I don't know. I don't know. I think it's like a southern thing. No. Parishes? Well, y- well, parishes yeah, are parishes everywhere. parishes in Canada. Sure we I do. I mean, you do with like, this is the parish of like a church, but we don't yeah. have like a it, county that we yeah, would not refer a geopolitical, to as a parish. Yeah, exactly. That's why I'm saying it feels I like a county. I think it's the, yeah, it's similar to that. Yeah. When X county is of X parish. Yeah. I don't know. If somebody knows, holler at us. Let us know. Yeah. Holler. Uh, anyways, in his... Holla. <laughs> thank you. Holla. One more time. Hello. Okay. <laughs> how, how annoyed are you right now? Well, hey, you're not frying, so I'm happy. Hello. <laughs> I quit. I'm out of here. Even Merle is howling in the back room Aww. now. He's not liking it either. Love you. Our executive producer, Merle the Springer, ha- is now, I think, in week five of his uh, eight-week, 24-7 crate life because he jumped out of the back of the pickup truck and <laughs> tore his ACL and has been in recovery mode. Oh, poor guy. So he's, he's been pretty good, all things considered. But when we're here having a great time, and he's, he's usually at our feet, like being, being executive producer. Yeah, just being making sure everything's okay, recording engineer, executive producer, but now he's locked out in a different room hearing you know, the fun and kind of whining. I miss him so bad. Yeah. Anyways, back to murders. Me too. My feet are cold. <laughs> we, we digress. Put your boots on. <laughs> we digest. Anyways, in, uh, in his youth, uh, Jerry Lee, youth. <laughs> what are these youths? <laughs> youth is uh, a... <laughs> In his youth, okay, <laughs> <laughs> tell your story. He began playing piano with uh, his two cousins, and uh, started to build what would go towards a career. His uh, parents mortgaged their farm to buy him a piano, and uh, Lewis was influenced by his piano playing older cousin uh, Carl McAvoy, who later recorded with Bill Black's combo, semi-famous down south, old school. I think they were a trio. Um, anyways. Um, when fast forward to everybody knows Jerry Lee Lewis as one of the founders of rock and roll. Um, he, he's someone who was known to assault women, um, smash people in the face with his mic stand and even shot his bass player in the chest. He sounds like a really nice guy. Again with these dicks. Yeah. Well, like everybody knows like great balls of fire and everything like that. This guy was one of. When you think about the beginning of rock and roll, you think of guys like Chuck Berry like, and Jerry well, Chuck Lee Lewis. Chuck Berry used to pee on people. Did he? Yeah. Oh. He was all about peeing on He's people. He's just like you. Yeah. Th- is that I he d- your I inspiration? on a single person, just pillars. <laughs> yeah, buildings, people. What's the, what's the difference? A There's building a is di- a first step <laughs> before peeing on people. There's a big difference. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not peeing. I don't pee on nobody. I just pee on pillars. Pee fetish is pee fetish, bud. It's not a fetish. <laughs> I know, I know. You I'm, know, I'm, I'm you know, with you. You I know, know. I'm busting your balls. I'm a real, <laughs> a real what? 
Peer? I'm a, I'm a real non-people peer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough. Anyways, where were we? I uh, don't even believe that I peed on a pillar. I think you guys are like... Making well, this up. I was not there, yeah. so I'm hearing this. It's all hearsay to me. Yeah, it's true. And she was getting her purse, yeah. so it's heresy. No, really, hearsay is different <laughs> than heresy. Like biopic, you are not a biopic. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We'll have another legal education moment on the yeah. next podcast. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, <laughs> as this early king of rock and roll, you see how as the night gets heavier and we all get drunker, this gets progressively derailed. <laughs> Luckily, my story is shorter than theirs, so <laughs> yeah, get into we're it. We're get through this quicker. Anyways, I'm, I'm not gonna pee on anything until you finish <laughs> the story. You guys good? <laughs> Proceed. <laughs> okay. Um, oh, that look. <clears throat> so, anyways, uh, he was known to assault women, smash people in the face with his mic stand, and he even shot his bass player in the chest, quote unquote, by accident with his 357 who, who, Magnum. Who hasn't wanted to shoot their bass player in the chest? If Steve is listening right now, love I you. would love you. I would be careful about Sean. <laughs> Anyways, um, with his 357 Magnum, as he was supposedly shooting holes in a door. For what reason? Wait, I don't like know. He what? thought a person was a door? <laughs> no, apparently he was like, for whatever reason, like shooting no. holes oh, in, a in a wall door, in a door. And someone was behind and the door. Yeah. Wait, it, it, shooting holes in a door for no reason? Anyways, can you imagine if I walked into your house? Okay, I just walked into your house, and you were back there. I'm pointing towards Andrew's bedroom, and I just started blasting off on your door. Yeah, I don't know where this happened. <laughs> it's a little different in a house. I feel like this was kind of an office. I, you know what? I have no idea. How anyway, many door, how many doors would make it better? Than how many doors were in their house? I don't know. All right, you guys are derailing okay, this too sorry, much. Okay, sorry. Okay, sorry. Okay, sorry. Your your your, your drunkenness is is apparent. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get through this shit. <laughs> Amelia, do you want to go shoot some doors? Yes. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> see ya. <laughs> Bye. Bye. We're never doing this again. <laughs> oh, it's the best. Okay, finish your story. Continue. All right, we love you. <clears throat> Anyways. Um, well, that wasn't even the murder. Uh, so he survived, and he went on to sue Jerry Lee Lewis, and... Uh, the murders are actually the deaths of his fourth and fifth wives, who what? Who both um, who both died extremely suspicious deaths in his home, but were both ruled accidents and saw Jerry cleared of any official wrongdoing. But his nickname was the Killer for a reason. Wow! So, as we all know, or I assume as we all know, Jerry Lee Lewis was one of the pioneers of rock and roll. I will say I do not know this. Really? It's because you're a like beyond millennial. I am a millennial. You ever heard Great Balls of Fire? Yes. That's that Jerry Lee Lewis. Okay. But that's, and that's not country. No. I'll, okay. I'll get to that. Okay. I'll get to okay. that. Okay. And I did say one of the pioneers of rock and roll. Yes, I know. Okay. So I'll, I'll good point, but I will address that. Anyways, Jerry Lee Lewis was one of the pioneers of rock and roll raucously playing his piano standing up pounding the keys uh, sometimes playing it with his foot even sometimes setting the piano on fire and playing through it just for a huge show nobody was doing anything like that back then really pushing the envelope of what was becoming to be known as rock and roll everyone knew his uh, big hits like great balls of fire and many people also know that he was famously married to his 13 year old cousin Myra I'm Gale. So, I'm sorry. He married his young 13-year-old cousin. I don't know how old how he was. Old he would have been 
20s, like maybe mid-20s, That's early disgusting. mid-20s. 18, yeah, 18 weird. I, I don't know. Either way, even if he's legal age, that's still still too much. Um, he's legal age, like he he, he married his boy cousin. No, no, no. <laughs> Myra Gale, his female younger cousin, who was thirteen, he married her. I'm not sure what age he was at that point, um, but he was. But at he least was like le- likely in his twenties, probably okay. like nineteen, twenty one. Well, who's 25. that artist we like that? Uh, he has that song about Jerry Lee. Oh, um, Jerry Lee, I'm Jerry Lee. Jada, yeah, Jada Dreyer is on that track. <laughs> Morningstar, Josh Morningstar. Josh Morningstar. Yeah. Yeah, that's a fucking good song. Yeah, very good song. And that's all but about a really like, inappropriate guy. Totally. And like that whole, s- that th- we're going to put that, a link to that somewhere related to this. Cause but this why are we okay about like all this inappropriate fucking shit? I don't shit? think we are okay with it. We're not okay. We're not okay. I just, Hold on, we're sorry. not even to the I not d- okay part. Let me this, get to it. I didn't mean this about us as, as a, you know, as a crew. You mean society at the time? Yeah, yeah. Like, why was he just allowed to operate like that? Oh, well, you haven't even heard the start the of it yet, but patriarchy. And this Sean. is this is what I was saying earlier: peak patriarchy. And it's we've really stepped on. This some was shit a real here. unchecked time. She so this was a move that prompted a huge backlash from fans, also from cities and even countries, banning him from playing there and his music from being performed on the radio or the airwaves in concert anything this bankrupted bankrupted him it ruined his career and his reputation well fuck yeah good until about 10 years later he restarted his career in the late 1960s not in rock and roll but in the country music world which is somewhat removed so it did he just shifted gears he he shifted arenas he shifted genres and it didn't really seem to have connected what happened in the past and he he had i don't know if he had number one hits but he had a shit ton of top 10 hits through like a 10-year stretch from like 68 67 68 through to 76 77 and so he was a big deal in country music through that point can and you imagine you're like oh i'm just banging my 12 year old cousin and then Ew. i'm just gonna i'm just gonna shift gears so <laughs> i, I she would have been 23 fuck. at that point a while ago i read a biography about him and I, I didn't do that for the research for this so some of the details of him are a little bit sketchy for me i forget what the circumstances of him and that marriage ending were but he had several more marriages after that that also ended. And so we'll we'll get to some more. This this is later where it starts to get really crazy. So um, he he restarted his career in the country music world and built a huge career over the next decade with top 10 hits and building into what I assume is millions of dollars again. And so he was living the honky-tonk rock and roll lifestyle, and he continued the hard drug abuse and drinking, ignoring the law, most of which seemed to be in his pocket. He was even cracked out and crazy enough to crash into the gates of Elvis Presley's Graceland estate towards the end of Elvis's life, getting stopped by his police guards and telling them he, quote, was there to assassinate the king. He had a gun on him. Seeing it because he saw oh Elvis, gosh. he saw Elvis as an illegitimate, uh, talentless hack. Wow. Um, and because they, they were kind of contemporaries of the beginning of rock and roll, and he, he saw Elvis as essentially, and I'm paraphrasing here, but like this pretty boy, talentless hack that became more famous, but saw himself as someone who was more of a pioneer of pushing the edges of what was rock and roll. 
And he was like this hugely narcissistic guy with a complete disregard. I say was, but he's still alive. He's like 84, 85 okay. right now. Continue then. And so uh, he's... Who, Elvis? No. <laughs> <laughs> Elvis is still alive. He's in like Phoenix. With Tupac and Biggie. Oh, just shit, hanging dude. Out. He's in like a fucking, like a tiny little bathing suit. Just <laughs> fucking king of rock and roll. Giant you know? glasses and oh, a tiny bathing yeah, suit. Ah, bro. Just like eating fucking crab cocktails. Like. So anyways, the point of all this is super narcissistic with a complete disregard for life and, and authority. <laughs> Can we talk about Andrew's look at my face when I, when I say that Elvis is still alive? <laughs> the complete joy for someone oh. someone else with a conspiracy theory. Oh, goodness gracious. Oh. Anyways. Uh, Come on, bro. So a year later... Um, so in 1981, Jerry Lee almost died from all the speed. He was laying <laughs> mainlining directly into his stomach with a needle. So this in is how, stomach? what do you mean so he was like putting he was like, like from a needle into, into his stomach? His stomach? Yeah. Is that a way to do it? Oh yeah. God. Huh. And so I got to go. For sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, but, but he survived only to find much more trouble unfolding for him. Shortly thereafter, he was raided by the R.O.R. IRA uh, on tax related issues, I, I guess evasion or whatever was going on. And uh, he found to be possessing a lot of cocaine and marijuana. And his Why would you put speed right in your stomach? It's, <laughs> it's mainlining. Like it, it's how you get it quicker. I don't know. Yeah, but your stomach's not going to do nothing. I don't know. I think there are huh. other ways to get it faster, but maybe, I'll keep but them this to was myself. back then. I don't know. <laughs> like they didn't dude know. you're talking to the least drug knowing guy <laughs> yeah you we can right. talk about alcohol i don't know a damn <laughs> thing about taking drugs okay sorry continue. continue so anyways uh all of that plus at this time through all this crazy shit his fourth wife jaren was threatening to divorce him jaren and, and th- yeah and this was her name was jaren yeah i guess her name was jaren <laughs> <laughs> is that a song no but jaren oh. <laughs> Anyways, um, <laughs> he he had already once been bankrupt after his situation with his 13-year-old child bride, and he had to build his life back up in the country music world, and now this is threatening to bankrupt him again with his wife wanting to leave him. So uh, coincidentally, <laughs> shortly after all this happened, she was found floating face down in her pool, oh, conveniently doing away with the looming divorce settlement against uh, Jerry Lee. The death was ruled an accident, and the man, famously known as the killer, goes free without much more investigation or even any kind of national press. A year later, Jerry Lee married his fifth wife, almost exactly to the date of Numero a year. five. Fifth Single. wife, fourth, fourth cousin. <laughs> <laughs> well played. Um, <laughs> second cousin twice removed. <laughs> Uh, a year later, he married Sean Michelle Stevens, a cocktail Wait, her waitress. her name was Sean? Yep. That's not okay. Why? Shauna. Oh, because you're Sean. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. I, I, I bang Jerry Lee. <laughs> <laughs> you are Sean. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so she was da, a da, waitress da. from Michigan who was about half his age. Uh, shortly after getting married, she found out he had a penchant for orgies and group sex and that he'd... Uh, previously hidden this from her in their short time of dating over less than a year pro tip if you're into that kind of shit maybe tell your spouse before you yeah. get yeah, married dis- like disclose right that first. Yeah. maybe disclose that first like right off the get-go so yeah. by all accounts sean was a cool chick and she partied but not like that 
and she was not into any of the scenarios that Jerry Lee was attempting to arrange, uh, often bringing home several other ladies, trying to make this happen, and Sean was having none of it. Yeah, man, you got to let people know when yeah, you that shit. Yeah, and to the point of her threatening to leave. Uh, and at one point, apparently citing a past flame back in Michigan who was still there waiting for her to come back should her marriage not work out. And this enraged the jealous side of Jerry Lee. Oh my gosh, are we going to have another defensive provocation? <laughs> you know what? If it had come to that, they probably would have used that. But it. wait for it. It, do- it doesn't even get to that. So this uh, enraged Jerry Lee's oh, jealous side, and he apparently told her that, quote, you're my wife, I'll kill you before I let you leave. What a dick. So Jerry Lee that. has this uh, sexual behavior that went on, and as far as even trying to involve Sean's sister, Shelly, when Shelly also denied Jerry Lee, he went, uh, went crazy, apparently, screaming and yelling at her, uh, according to her, asked her if she was scared of him and said because she should be why do you think they call me the killer how'd i get that name huh and slapped her face but he was a real douche right like he was a little like he was a little dude just like playing the piano fucking i i i don't know being angry or anything yeah and i don't know all that much about him physically other than he had that like crazy curly hair that like bopped around when he just feel like he was like he was one of those guys that was like just so aggressive that people just backed off. Right. And it yeah. makes me, it pisses me off because I'm like, Frost your Calvinator? Yeah, man. Anyways, uh, so <laughs> two days before she died, uh, she apparently made a call back home to her family, to her mother, saying that she was leaving Jerry Lee and she'll be coming home. Something, uh, that's a paraphrase, but something along those lines. And when the state officials arrived at Jerry Lee's house the morning of Sean's murder, the county officials had already been there for hours. They found broken glass scattered throughout the house. There was no sign of Jerry Lee, and they found Sean's body neatly laying on a perfectly made bed in the guest room with no vital signs. Jerry Lee had been hiding in his bedroom, and when he came out, the EMTs and police noted uh, bright red scratches on his hand with blood on his robe, uh, not a lot. I think it was like drops of blood on his robe, slippers, and the carpet. There was a pile of bloody clothes in the bathroom. Sean was apparently, to whatever degree, covered in dirt, whether that's like super muddy or just like splotches of dirt here and there, but like apparently all around her and bruises and with broken fingernails. She had blood on her hand, in her hair, in her clothes, including on a bra that was in a different room. Jesus. The sheriff's deputy and Jerry Lee had an hour-long private conversation in a separate room from everyone during the investigation, the morning of everybody being there. The county opted to use a private medical examiner, not a public one. Uh, who quickly declared there was no foul play and thus all of the post-mortem medical findings were not part of the public record. And when the grand jury was convened for the case, they ruled that there was no foul play, (coughs) um, but the evidence was not even reported in general until after the grand jury had finished. How was this possible? DeSoto County, uh, Mississippi, where... Jerry Lee's from. That was his home Mississippi. turf. Hmm. <laughs> this shit bothers I me. What, that, I wonder what happened. It, it bothers me a lot. So that was his home turf. 
Um, and the night before, sh- here's an example of how it's his home turf. The night before Sean died, Jerry Lee crashed his car into a ditch. The cops arrived on the scene. They never tested him for drinking. They didn't report a file or report of oh, the incident. Zero fucks given. And they gave him a ride home. We only know this happened because a county police dispatcher had later stated on the record that he knew about the incident. He was he was the guy who took the call and he knew not to log it because it was another Jerry Lee incident and it was understood to, for them to be like community service. Um, so uh, apparently they were calling to Jerry Lee Lewis issues all the time to his house or somewhere else. And I, I'd read in various sources that he was always um, a big campaign donor to like the sheriff and the mayor and whoever else. So he had the, to whatever degree the police and other law enforcement in his pocket. Can you imagine you, you fucking you, you killed the chick. Then you like were kind of hammered and the cops were like, oh, it's fine, Jerry. We'll drive you home. Go away. You only have two dead wives. No, like and fucking so drove him home. Just just to be clear, I'm not sure if that's the day before it happened. Doesn't so it's matter. not No, 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 I know, but like the way you just said it, <laughs> yeah. I, like it sounded like you're talking about like he did the murder and then drove <laughs> off and they drove him home. I I but think it might have kind of is. I think it might be the day before okay. all of that happened, okay. but regardless, regardless, the or point is he has just really bad luck. Stop. You know? Who? Jerry Lee Lewis. Are you on the side of Jerry Lee Lewis? I'm not, right but now? I'm no, just she's just nicely playing devil's advocate. He just has Get really out of bad here. Luck. No, no, you innocent until proven guilty, Sean. Oh boy. Well, we don't even get to do that in this story. <laughs> <laughs> so, um that that's that's how the police operated and um this is how he knew uh, not to log the call because it was considered community service and um <laughs> The get on the microphone right now, Amelia. And it's also, <laughs> this is also presumably how the county officials knew to get there first to help help cover up the evidence. Oh, and we only know shit. later funeral directors would yeah, speak up. Rock stars and are always fine. Funeral directors would later speak up to say that he found puncture wounds on Sean, similar to the same ones he has on himself to hypodermic needles oh. that they found around the house that he's mainlining speed with and she was not known so to be he doing might drugs have just the same like way given her an overdose uh, yeah allegedly yeah uh, an overdose allegedly before or after a whole bunch of beating that involved breaking glass and broken fingernails and scratches oh. on him god damn it so between we got real fucking <clears throat> deep and dark here, right? So between private medical uh, investigators uh, covering up evidence, allegedly covering up evidence, assumingly covering up evidence, uh, police dispatchers talking about not calling in any of Jerry Lee Lewis's potential crimes, not logging phone calls and things they did with him, and a funeral director popping up on the record saying Jesus. that that he could never believe that death was actually an accident. Wow. And this is all in and around a situation where this is now the second wife that has died. Like one time a coincidence, second time. Yeah, man. It's like, I don't know. Yeah. And when it's such a, like a obviously paid off situation with, um, with, with all of the County officials, police and and private medical examiners and that they did all of this with a grand jury before a lot of this evidence even became public to any degree. That's and why said it's good no to be famous. Play. Like, <laughs> I'm, 
I'm not the lawyer at this table right now, <laughs> but when I look at all of these things, like blood on her hand, in her hair, in her clothes, including a bra that's in a different room, that that's even not j- evidence that of anything though. But th- this like, is no, but Amelia would get but me off of off no, shit. but that at the very least <laughs> would imply some kind of foul play. If no, she, yeah, but no, Amelia would be like, Sean's fine. How not? It's fine. Okay, let's say she uh, decided <laughs> tonight was the night she was gonna try drugs, and she tried some kind of drugs, and she got into a fight, and then she went to bed. With blood in her hair, on her hand, and scratches on her partner. Yeah, because she was so fucked up, she got. Yeah, and Amelia would be like, "What if this was the night that Sean?" He was aggressive to towards her. She was aggressive towards him. <laughs> Something happened. See, this is this is why my wife might end. make a great criminal defense attorney. Dude, you because have the, the biggest you have the feminist in the room, you have who the I would wife. have thought would be railing against this the hardest, comes out with what is potentially a great defense. No, if, I mean, if, I can equally rail against like it. But oh, I know you can. I know you can. <laughs> if yeah. anybody needs a lawyer wife, it should be me. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, true. Are you done your story? Well, that was pretty much it. He's like he he was acquitted. He's still no, alive. He's still alive. He's living he still happily. Does I don't know if he's happy, but he still does <laughs> shows from time to time. I Googled and saw that he had... I read that he moved to uh, Ireland to escape the IRS. I, I love read Ireland. that part, but it's possible. Yeah, I think he with his seventh wife. Number seven. Seven. Numero Oof. seven. You just Googled that right I now? I did. Wow. Okay, yeah. well then... And he's suing his children. What? For what? For what? Taking advantage of his estate? I don't know. Man, that's ballsy. Like, that's wow. taking your balls out and putting them on the <laughs> table. Sue your children. I think his kids were helping him manage his career, and then he was like, That's no. a real dick move. You know, I don't know him, and I don't want to pass judgment, but a he lot of what like we hear a just... Little bit of a little bit of a dick. I'm just saying yeah. you probably shouldn't sue your children. He married her on March 9th, 2012. And the next day, Lewis severed business ties with his daughter, Phoebe Lewis Lofton, who was his what manager and revoked her power of attorney. Wow. The next day. The next day after the marriage. Jeez. So that implies the wife had something heavy to do with oh, that. Oh, yeah. And then in wow. 2017, Lewis sued his daughter and her husband, claiming she owed him s- substantial sums of money. So and this sounds like the biggest gold digger. We're oh. going to get sued for saying this. Okay, wait. But also... <laughs> this is libel from his wife. fault at this fr- point. This is Wikipedia. In April 2019, U.S. District Judge Neil Biggers ruled the most claims were barred by the three-year statute of limitations with the exception of the defamation claim. Hmm. So, Which knows? we'll get one of now. <laughs> <laughs> we're only speaking the truth. We're about seven beers deep. And <laughs> and I have to be in court tomorrow, so... Why don't Jesus. we uh, finish up these drinks and put on a record? What do yeah, you want to listen to, Amelia? Let's continue listening to some Loretta Lynn. Okay, oh, good call. Yeah. Let's jam and let's get some record. strong women on this because I feel like women really took the shit in this podcast. Yeah, so. good call. Yeah, a lot it. of women got killed for a lot no of reason. Women got killed for no reason. Fucking yeah, well, for the reason of you know patriarchy, yeah, fair. masculinity. Okay. Wow, let's do yeah. it. The defense of provocation. All yeah, right. defense Love you. of provocation. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Bye, everyone. Thanks for having me. And remember, stay country and don't get murdered. Country, country music.